0: going presently through the flying hour this is the gargsville podcast with your host Gargs Allard.
1: all right so we've got all this new vocabulary to help us make sense of this year 2020 am i right <laughs> new normal so that's when your life is going to go right back to how it was in march Except it's going to be considerably worse. Moratorium. This is a Latin term for I can't pay my rent and I probably couldn't before. TikTok. This is huge. It took off this year. That is an online community for millennials with too much fucking time on their hands. I'm one of them. So stimulus package. You read about it, you hear about it, it's highly speculated. But unless you see it, it's quite hard to believe that it's real. Quarantine? That is when you're put in adult time out for not washing your hands enough, you nasty. Social distancing. That is when the guy you're fucking ignores you in public.
0: You're listening to the Gargsville Podcast with your host, Gargs Allard.
2: Welcome all you people who have common courtesy to listen to me out there after I politely asked you to. Of course, you know who you are and to the rest of you, I can't believe you're listening. So please give me a shout out to let me know that you have been so I can go on with my life with some kind of encouragement. In the meantime, this is the third episode of the Gargsville podcast. So how are you guys doing out there? I hope well, I continue to go through my life and starts and stops in my general eccentric haphazard sort of way. As I plod through my rather checkered career in life, as George Harrison once wrote and sung, Well, you do what you can. You can't do much more than that. No, you can't do what he just said. Some days you're pretty sharp, on other days you feel half dead while you make your daily bread. Anyway, today we have stand up comedian and actor Brittany Brave on the show with us. It was a fun interview. It has already been recorded. You're going to hear it if you stay tuned. And I came away further impressed with her than I already was. And I think you will be too after you hear the way she answered the questions that I posed to her. She is quite a thoughtful, funny, and well-spoken person and multi-talented, I might add. I knew her in Gainesville. We went to school at the University of Florida together around the same time. I graduated in 2012 even though I am a little more than a quarter century older than she is. You see, I went back to school as a young man in my mid-40s, and during that time, she was the Sony music rep who used to hook me up with new music to review and play uh, for my gigs as a reviewer for a local entertainment magazine called Insight Magazine and a radio DJ at a sort of a college radio stationrock104.com she was always the consummate professional and a pleasure to work with now besides being an actor and a comedian she has a seemingly endless amount of ongoing projects that i found out about when researching to do this interview and actually during our talk together as well which you will also find out about soon enough one thing i discovered about her after the interview while perusing through her instagram is that She's a big Ozzy Osbourne fan, and by the way, I recommend following her on Instagram if you want to see some very humorous and original bits that she does on a regular basis. When I was growing up, Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman, they both came out, I think I was 16 or 17 in 1981, and my brother Kevin and our friend Phil, and maybe another friend or two, I can't remember, we got pretty good tickets to Go see Ozzy perform at the New Haven Coliseum in New Haven, Connecticut. Actually, my brother and our friend Phil, they slept out in the freezing winter Connecticut cold in line to get those tickets. I stayed home because I'm kind of not asleep on the sidewalk kind of a guy. I wasn't then and I'm not now, especially in the winter in New England. Forget about it. And man, They had some stories to tell. Actually, at the time, we had an underground newspaper in high school called The State of Mind, and we had Phil write a piece under the pseudonym Jethro Johnson called, I think, Sleeping Out for Ozzy Tickets. I still have that article somewhere in my archives, or should I say, in an old cardboard box. Besides the cold, they had to deal with a lot of people trying to sell stuff Ticket scalpers, people selling other things, and also people selling themselves or their bodies. Prostitutes who apparently would jump into the sleeping bag with the person while on the sidewalk and then get up and and try to find another client. Anyway, unfortunately, his lead guitarist, the virtuoso Randy Rhodes, died in a plane crash before the show took place, and we had to wait a while before Ozzy rescheduled it with his postponed show, which I believe Brad Gillis took Randy's place as a lead guitarist. I don't remember much about the show when we finally went, other than we were quite stoned at the time, and we were just a few feet from the speakers at the front side of the stage, which I'm sure my ears still hold a grudge against me for all these years later. Brittany is also into tarot and astrology, which people who know me know that I have more than dabbled in both those things as well. So even though I don't really know her that much, it was relatively easy for me to have a conversation with her and resonate with her on a certain level. And that's really all you can do when you have an interview besides letting them talk as much as possible. I try not to get in the way of people, although I have a tendency to do that. And you want to be able to get into a real conversation with someone a conversation that interests both of you enough that you forget to some degree that you're going to be listened to by others and the conversation is actually interesting for both participants and not contrive. So that's what I always more or less set out to do and I think that was achieved on a, a good level during this conversation and so I'm very happy with that. I will say that this interview will give you some idea of her talents but if you want to find out more and because it's not easy to extol All of her accolades during this podcast, go to BrittanyBrave.com. And Brittany is spelled B R I T T A N Y, of course, Brave, B R A V E, dot com, and read all about her. But as for this show, and without further ado, after this message from one of our sponsors, here's Brittany.
3: It's the old dog whisperer himself. Old Uncle Hound, here to tell you about a brand new product of mine called Old Uncle Hound's Vegan Dog Treats. It's just like the treats our dog's ancestors used to be here in North Central Florida in the 70s. Only they're vegan, and they taste good for both dogs and humans, especially old hippies. Mm-hmm. Just munching on one right now. Tastes good like a vegan dog treat should. But don't eat a full bag of them, or your dog might get angry at you and scratch some Lyme disease ticks all over your body. Old Uncle Hound's vegan dog treats are now available in fine pet stores everywhere.
4: Hey, guards, how are you?
2: I'm doing really well. How about yourself?
4: I'm good. I'm good. No complaints. I was just I just got back from a movie shoot which was great. It was like part two of a movie shoot. So I was in Ohio for a few days. Yeah. And then I'm just, you know, unpacking, cleaning, doing all that stuff. But I'm, I'm good.
2: So you're involved in a movie?
4: I am. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I'm the lead actress, the lead female. So that's pretty cool. It's a friend of mine's movie. He's also a comic. And it's like, he's done a bunch of like short films and web series and stuff. And then this is like his first like feature film. So, that's kind of cool, and he's got like a nice production company behind it and stuff. And yeah, it was a it's a fun project. So,
2: do you mind telling us the name of the movie?
4: Yeah, it's uh, the Rest of Your Life. It's called uh huh. And yeah, and it's uh, the production company is Four by Three Production, based out of Cincinnati. Yeah, and my friend's name is like Michael Pomeroy. I can send you all the info and stuff. I mean, it's not going to come out until like next year, but. Yeah, we we have been hammering away at that for the the last couple of months, like rehearsing, editing the script, shooting and stuff. So, yeah.
2: That's exciting. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on today. Just for those of you out there who don't know, I worked a little bit with Brittany when uh, she lived in Gainesville. She was the Sony rep uh, for Gainesville and the University of Florida, and I was doing music reviews for Insight Magazine which is is a local entertainment, was a local entertainment rag here, and doing a show on uh, rock104.com. And I just want to thank you, Brittany, because I got a lot of good CDs from you.
4: <laughs> yeah, I did. I used to hook you up back in the day. Uh, lots of CDs, lots of records, lots of free tickets to things. Yeah, I, I unfortunately don't have those amenities now as a comic. I can maybe give you a drink ticket and two mozzarella sticks. You know, that's about all I can offer.
2: Well, the mozzarella sticks sound pretty good. Uh, I have a. They I, do
4: right about now. They do. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, my first question for you is: What made you go from the music business into comedy?
4: Well, no, I. I mean, I've always been a really big comedy fan and music fan too. So, I mean, both of those choices aren't too far fetched for me. But I mean, comedy was really my first love. I was always like a, a ham growing up, and. I had been performing my whole life in some capacity. My dad's a big comedy fan. My family's very funny. Like it was just, you know, something that I always really gravitated to. and did it a bunch in college in Gainesville, you know, which is where you and I met. And yeah, about two years ago, it just made sense to like try and pursue this and, and, you know, try and make it my main gig. So fast forward and now it's 2020 and, and, live entertainment's dead. No, I'm kidding. But yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, I just always, I've always loved comedy. Comedy's always been, I love making people laugh and I always loved watching comedy and being around comedy. So it was kind of a no brainer.
2: What did you major in in college?
4: I actually studied public relations and theater both um, because I had this idea that I would do the traditional route. So I had a safe fallback on PR, but like, my heart obviously was always really an acting and comedy too. So it's, you know, and, and in a, lot of ways I'm lucky because I really do think I'm getting to use both of those degrees now in some way, shape or form. So.
2: How has the pandemic affected you in terms of, you know, uh, obviously you can't do the live shows that you were doing for some time.
4: Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think at first it was a little bit of a shock for all of us comedians. And i mean for everybody, obviously, you know, that's the thing about this pandemic is that no one hasn't been touched or affected by it. It was definitely jarring at first once things were closing and, and you know, are you know, couldn't get on stage and, and you know, for the foreseeable future comedy was just a non issue. It was not a thing. But I really do think that it, it kind of forced all of us comedians to adapt. Like I'm actually very grateful for this year in a weird way, you know, because now we've been able to like Figure out our digital content, and we do have outdoor comedy now, which is awesome too. But it's—it I think it's in a good way. It's like shaking up the comedy industry and kind of made us really look at like how to how to make people laugh and find new avenues. Once you know, just because our main avenue for doing it was gone, so I think it's made us adaptable and and flexible.
2: Do you think that comedy will change in the future when this pandemic is over because of? everything that we've been through?
4: I do. Yeah, I think it's um, even more than any other art form, I think comedy evolves with the time because it's a direct reflection of it. It's like the purest reflection of what it is that's going on and with people in the world and society and politics at large. So I do think comedy in, it, in itself is, is always evolving to fit the needs of what's happening in the world and to and to fit the conversation that's already happening. Uh-huh. Um, and then business-wise, Business-wise, yeah. You know, I think, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with comedy clubs and there's a lot of power in independent comedians and artists now because we're making it work on roofs and patios and alleyways. <laughs> and, you know, like, it's, it's, you know, it, which is, it's crazy, but it's, I think it's really shaping whatever power dynamic was there before because comedy just looks completely differently now so yeah i'm hoping it makes it a little less like competitive and parasitic and like accessible yeah
2: cool now um you mentioned about the movie that you're going to be in but before we get to all the projects that you're involved in and you seem like a very busy person to me do you mind if i ask you just a few basic background questions
4: yeah sure let's do it run a background check on (laughs) me Well, this will be it this will be the podcast where everyone hears about all my felonies let's do it
2: <laughs> well you don't have to uh divulge everything I, so
4: many i forget yeah. <laughs> this will be good for you to recap
2: so where are you from originally
4: um that's a, i i it's miami miami florida and also new jersey i mean really i identify with being more so from New Jersey because I was born there. My whole family lived down there, but I, I did grow up and was raised in Miami.
2: Okay. What, what part of Jersey are you from?
4: All over. I mean, I was born in North Jersey, closer to like Newark and Belleville and all of those cities, okay. um, but I have family all over. Yeah.
2: And I think some people might want to know if Brittany Brave is a stage name or if it's a name that was given to you by your parents in the traditional way
4: It's real baby it's real <laughs> it's my real name I swear it's it's very american it's very boring um I think I would have been better off being named Nebald Eagle at this point but um, uh, <laughs> yeah uh, no it's it's very real it's um, I am I am italian but my my grandparents changed our last name from Bravo to Brave so it's on the first certificate, clear the rumors now, get the hype out of the way. It's my real name.
2: So Brittany Bravo, that would be a cool name, too. I mean, Brittany Brave is a cool that name.
4: That would have worked. That would have worked. I, th- I think it would have been less cheesy than Brittany Brave. I have a love-hate relationship with my name. Uh, I, I just sound like I'd be better suited as a superhero or a porn star. Um, but you know. Which I might need to be one or the other in 2020, who knows day to day we're taking it, but yeah, I think I actually think I prefer Brittany Bravo, so it's funny you say that yeah
2: Brittany Bravo well, I, I never knew that that's that's cool. So, like I said before, you, you have a lot of things going on right now, and I did a little yeah. research, as is my job before I interview you, and I've seen you on Instagram doing your little 30 60 second bits and i think that they're hilarious Uh, but you're doing a lot more than that that's for sure one of the things that you're doing which i found interesting is called improvised tarot are you still doing that i
4: am yeah that's a fun show so um that i actually was doing pre-pandemic and it was a live show uh in the flesh and it's comedians bullshitting tarot reading. For, for audience members. And it's really, it's really, really a riot. It's great. Like we, we interview audience members and we get to know a little slice of their life and their problems and what's on their mind. And they ask the cards a question. Um, but then the twist is that it's just a bunch of comedians who couldn't tap into their own God given intuition if you paid them to. And they just, <laughs> they just bullshit their <laughs> way. They are good at that though. They are very, very good at bullshitting. So then they just bullshit their way through a reading and try to make this person feel a little bit better about their problem or answer their question. And then, yeah, we usually also have like a psychic on deck that comes in at the end and like actually provides some clarity for everything.
2: So now I know you're saying you bullshit your way through it and the comedians bullshit their way through it and everything. Now, full disclosure, I have thrown the tarot in the past and I'm just wondering if you see or feel there's any validity to it or do you just kind of say that? because you want to protect your yourself from people like uh, making fun of you or something.
4: Yeah. It's I, um, I'm, I love astrology and tarot and I welcome any social wrath from that. Uh, I'm, I did, I do, I, I, I do get embarrassed sometimes to tell people cause you're right. Like there's a little social stigma to it where people are like, Oh, you really believe that? Like, okay. You know, but I mean, I think there's different forms of spirituality, and like, it's just something I took like an early interest in, and for me, it makes sense. Just so you know, um, it's also, I, you know, I was raised Catholic, which is a joke, and, uh, <laughs> you know I gave up on that so I guess I had to find something so I went to uh gypsy Catholicism which I guess is tarot and stuff but I mean listen like tarot like I really do I use it as a practice for like self-reflection and like in you know honing my intuition and stuff like that I do I really do believe in it and like channeling the energy and stuff but it's any kind of like spirituality or practice like that it's a lot of like what you're seeing yourself and the answers you're actually seeking so uh-huh. i think if anything it brings a little bit of like self-clarity and i know this isn't a uh, i know it's not a mystic podcast so i won't get too into too into it but yeah, it's a I podcast like with it.
2: mystical overtones though
4: it, it, well, there you go. Well, then, no wonder why I'm a guest on it. Now, this is all making sense, obviously. Well, um, let yeah, me... You, it, you can take it with a grain of salt, like anything. Of course, Great. of course.
2: So, w- yeah. what's your favorite go to tarot deck?
4: Um, I actually have one. <laughs> it's so on brand for me. It's it's my astrological sign, Aquarius, and it's an Aquarius-themed deck, and a good friend of mine gave it to me, and it's a very, like, psychological, Woodstocky design deck. Psychological, not psychological, psychedelic, I'm sorry. No, it's a little psychological, too, I guess. It's psychologically psychedelic. It, that's exactly what it is. Exactly. So it's my show. No. Um, yeah, so it's it is gorgeous. It's, like, full of all these cool colors and designs and stuff, and that's, like, my go-to deck, but... Some of, these, some of these are beautiful, like some of these decks, like, and, you know, if they commission the right artist, it could be, like, interpreted in a really cool way, so.
2: Sure. Okay, well, I want to ask you about a few more of your projects, and please excuse me if I'm not aware of all of them, because it seems like every time I look, there's something else that you're doing. You did something yeah. called, uh, could you explain what Catcall is?
4: Yeah, I um, Catcall is a, a network for women. I feel like it's... Um, like my daughter, truly. It's like an extension of me, my baby. Um, I started it a couple years ago when I was in music. I really wanted to provide an outlet for women to productively network and have fun and, and support camaraderie between women in the music business and, you know, all that stuff. Like discuss the issues. and But just really have an outlet where like women can truly, genuinely connect with other women and like work together. Um, and then, like I said, it's you know, evolved with me. So then as I started pursuing comedy or had all other interests, you know, kind of moved to the front lines. Then, yeah, Cat Call just became a, a general outlet for women, like all female events, cooking classes, exercise classes, happy hour, um, men and however you identify, like they're welcome. But the spotlight is always on trying to amplify female voices. And currently in 2020, I'm going to try and pivot and make it a podcast if I can. So cool. I have some IG. Yeah, I have some IGTV episodes, uh, that were a quarantine creation, some great interviews with women, and I'm going to try and repurpose those for full podcast episodes. And then, yeah, yeah, basically. So it's, it's my baby. It's, um, it's interesting because it's, I started off thinking it would be one thing and now it's something completely different, but it's kind of nice to have my comic avenue and then have this other avenue that's, Dabbles in comedy, but has a completely different objective.
2: I saw you on somebody's YouTube channel, Cooking Spaghetti.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I was on a, a cooking series. A good friend of mine started, Reefy Cassidy. It's called Starving Artists, and it was great. It was, a, it was a really cool web series that just like got to know different creatives in different fields, and the way that they did it was through cooking. So it was like getting into their kitchen and you get to make a meal that's close to your culture and like close to your heart like that you grew up on or like whatever your favorite dish is and then in doing that Recy who's wonderful she's she's the most talented warm magnetic person like she's the perfect creative perfect host and creator of this interviews comedians and artists about like why they chose their path why they chose this meal so it was a very very cool thing I, I admittedly cook I cooked this simplest most pathetic italian pasta dish i could um because my concern was more on being funny and engaging but uh i had fun i had a lot of fun
2: it made me hungry i'll tell you that
4: good it it came out good i went a little hard (laughs) on the uh the red pepper flakes i think you can see it in the episode the two of us had a ringing alarm there but it was it was good. My mom was disappointed. She wished I would have done like stuffed peppers or sausage peppers and onions or something. And I was like, I don't know what
0: you, I don't know what you want me to say. So yeah. You're listening to the Gargsville podcast with your host, Gargs Allard.
2: Hello, this is Gargs Allard, host of PowerPop Portal, the Gainesville Grooves, and the Gargsville Radio Hour. I'm here to tell you, you can become just like me with my brand new 777 diet program, as seen on infomercials everywhere. I developed the 777 diet program to make my life simpler, and yours can become simpler too. I will personally show you how to gain seven pounds in seven days on only $7 a day. That seven pounds in seven days for only $7 a day. You must not be averse, however, to a diet consisting primarily of pizza and ice cream. That's the 777 program available at Walmart, Walgreens, and across the street at CVS. Tell them Garg's allergy sent you. You have another podcast. I don't know if it's, uh, when's the last time you did it, called Violently Funny. I was wondering if you could talk about that.
4: You know, I'm um I'm a domestic violence survivor. I was I was in a pretty rough abusive relationship for the three years, actually, nearly three years. And it's, it's that was a huge catapult for me into getting into comedy and kind of doing a one eighty on my life and I didn't I just started to realize that it, it wasn't being talked about enough. You know, there's a lot of mainstream and other kinds of news coverage of, of other topics and even not to compare, but even with sexual assault too, like I feel like that's talked about a little bit more than domestic violence. Domestic uh-huh. violence is still very, very taboo. Um, so yeah, myself and Onika McLean, another comedian who's also a survivor, bonded over that, and then just like kind of quickly realized that like people should be talking about this and people should be paying attention to it. And what better way to kind of make it digestible and accessible than like not making it funny per se, but like wrapping it in comedy like making you know making it not so heavy and and kind of showing people that it's okay to talk about these things
2: cool what kind of response have you got from that
4: it was wonderful it really really was and um, you know I'm going to be trying to really make sure I cover that and prioritize that in chat call and in that podcast but it's great. I mean, we, people were a little apprehensive at first. They didn't really know how we could make it funny. And that's understandable or what a podcast about domestic abuse would be like and how heavy it was going to be. Uh, but usually once they, they, they took a dive in and they got through a couple episodes, they were like, it's still really funny and it's super insightful. And these conversations are really moving and they're this and they're that. And it's been great. And, and honestly, some of the messages from people, as you can imagine, we've had a lot of people message us that are in those kinds of situations or just exited or have been or, or whatever the case is. And those have been really, really moving and and special to hear the people found the podcast. And, you know, it helps them make sense of an otherwise really bad experience or asking us for advice, you know, hearing the podcast and asking us for advice on how they can get themselves out of something. and. Yeah, we're by no means experts, but we did live through it um, and, and do the work to heal from it. So we're always happy to, I'm always happy. I'll always be available at all hours for anybody who's like going through something like that.
2: It must be very gratifying to take a such a negative experience and turn it into something positive and helping people.
4: Yeah, it, it, it is. Yeah, and I think... Um, you know, in a lot of ways, not to sound too cavalier about it, but I I don't think we have any choice with anything in life than to take the hand that we're dealt and make the most of it. You know, you either can let it define you and let it dictate the course ahead, or you can, you know, remember you have control in that process. And yeah, it was a huge part of my healing process to just know like, I can't change this has happened to me, but I can change how I respond to it and what I do with it.
2: Cool. Well, it's really good to know that you're making a difference. I have a few other questions. You said that you had a sold out show the last time we were going to speak and we didn't have a chance to because you were so busy. So mm-hmm. you have a show, You had a show last night and you have one tonight. Is that what's going on?
4: Uh yeah, I'm thank you for plugging that it was sold out. Thank you. <laughs> Very, the former publicist in me is like, make sure you say sold out. Thank you. No. Um yeah, I watch shows every night. I'm back in a lather here in New York, which has been great and really busy. Probably too busy. Um, but yeah, I've been running a weekly rooftop show with the Tiny Cupboard, which is an incredible independent venue in Brooklyn. Um, we actually started working together during quarantine and, and doing a lot of stuff in the virtual space. And then once we got a go ahead to do something outdoors, uh, yeah, I, I, I jumped on their roof almost literally. And, <laughs> yeah. And then and when I, when my set doesn't go bad, I jump off. So no, it's been great. It's been very good. And yeah, that's been selling out week to week and yeah, and like in, in part to your earlier question about comedy changing, it's it's kind of interesting to see how the playing field has been leveled because I've been on a lot of shows. Not that I wasn't pre-COVID, but I've been on more and more shows with big-time names and national headliners and stuff. And because we're all back at square one, so that's been a cool thing to capitalize on for sure. So
2: you're also. I don't know if you're still doing it, but you were teaching at the Brooklyn Brainery.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Teaching improv was my main gig pre COVID. And it's great. I mean, I love the Brooklyn Brainery. It's like an adult recreation center. Um, that has an intro to cooking classes, intro to comedy classes, intro to you name it. And yeah, that's where I got, that's really where I like jumped into teaching improv. And as a comedian, that was like what, what paid outside of me performing my own comedy. It was like that. And, you know, teaching improv that paid my bills, but unfortunately improv is a contact art, it's very hard to have a scene without interacting and moving, being at least somewhat close to people. So we have to put a pin in that until further notice. But yeah.
2: Well, let me ask you this in, in terms of that. Uh, I'm always, I've always been of the opinion that it's as far as a sense of humor and ability to be comedic, you either have it or you don't. But, you know, obviously, if you do have it, then you could use some training. Do you believe that? Or do you think that anyone could learn to be a comedian?
4: I do believe that. I do. I think everyone has a sense of humor. I think the sense of it is what differs. That's where you get people who like dirty, people who like political. People, You know, some people have a big sense of humor and, and, you know, nothing really fazes them. Some people are uptight assholes and and they don't have a big sense of humor and it's it's really hard to I like
2: the way you added assholes there
4: assholes yeah I hesitate I said can I say assholes I said "Guards would endorse this totally on board for this yeah I do I think that's a natural thing I don't think you can teach someone to be funny I think that's just like how you process the world i think it's how you speak how you carry yourself how you you know all of this stuff i really do and but i do think that there is a differentiation and this is to answer your question i don't think you can just teach somebody to be a comedian Mm -hmm. i think there's a big difference between conversationally funny and performatively funny and i think that that's the because if that were the case then so many people would be comedians and so many people like it, it just is different. Like That's great and I think that's a good starting point if you can make a group of your friends laugh and, and they remember things you say and they appreciate your take on something. But, you know, to, to make a career out of it and produce content for the masses and get up and do it in front of a room full of strangers and make it a marketable thing, that's an entirely different, you know, there's there's funny and then there's a stand-up bit. And, and a bit in stand-up's got a little bit more juice to it. It's, it's a little more, it's elevated. There's a premise. There's a point to it. There's yeah, I do. I definitely think that it's it's not for everybody. And please, God, no more comedians in New York. We have like eighteen thousand million. That's not even makes sense, but that number still feels right. Everyone's a comedian in New York. Your barista's a comedian. Your your landlord's a comedian. Everyone's tried stand up, and like it's great, but also it's terrible. That's what I'm trying to say. No more, no more comedians in New York, please.
2: Okay, well, providing they're not in New York. What advice would you give somebody who wants to give it a go, who thinks that they're a funny person?
4: Mm, Just do it, I guess. I don't know. Um, Stay true to yourself. I know that's really corny and cheesy, but it's not an easy road. And like anything, obviously, every career path has its own challenges, but I do tend to think that comedy in particular is a little rougher around the edges. It's a little, it's just by its nature, it's a little bit, more volatile, more competitive, I guess. So it really does require not only a tough skin. I think people say tough skin a lot, but what I think it really requires is like, requires is like supreme self-awareness and supreme like honesty within yourself and security in who you are. Picking it as a career has helped with all of that, too, which is one of the most rewarding things about being a comedian. It's like I've chosen this now. I've chosen this career path that's going to literally force me to revisit myself every single day.
2: How do you deal with with it when a joke bombs?
4: Uh, That depends on the night. I don't know. Um, (laughs) That depends on how many of those jokes bombed. Um, You know, you try to keep it going. But no two days are alike as a human being. So no two days are alike as a comedian. Uh So, you know, there's some nights that you're like, okay, well, whatever. For sure there's other days where you're like having an existential crisis. And you're like, I always thought I was funny. This is the one thing I could count on. What's going on? How did that just happen? You know? So, like, like anything else, it's like, you know that's our job now so like just like how there's good days bad days as a nurse or a teacher or anything else there's good days bad days as a comedian some days you take it on the chin and you're okay and then other days it really messes with you
2: do you ever write it off that oh it's the audience i mean that has to be a factor right
4: it's a factor though it's never the audience's fault it is, it is tr- like it's not their fault and definitely there are better crowds than others and tighter crowds than others and the different demographics in the crowd absolutely plays a factor. But comedians do get very stupidly hung up on blaming the audience and restaurants can't do that. Like if if someone hates their meal, the restaurant wouldn't be like, well, it's your fault, you know, like, and and like the customer, like you wouldn't say like, that's your fault that you hate this meal. (laughs) Or like, you know, or a doctor wouldn't say like, it's your fault to the patient that this happened. Like, you know, like. So you, that's, a, that's a tricky line to toe. And I think in your early years as a comedian, you shouldn't fall back on that. You shouldn't even have that thought cross your mind that it's the audience's fault because that can get really, that can get to be a comfortable detrimental cycle to like fall into. If, if you start your career off thinking, ah, eh, it's not me, that crab just sucks.
2: So it can just make you lazy.
4: Yeah, I think it makes you lazy and a little like delusional too. Yeah. Um, yeah at the yeah. same yeah. time yeah. having
2: having self-confidence is important.
4: Yeah, it is it is and I, I think that the the difference there um, is that that isn't particularly self-confidence that I think that self-delusion is what I think it is. Self-confidence is knowing you have the ability and you believe in your material and you're not going to be defined just by one set. I think the delusion is, in, in thinking that it's the crowd's fault. Uh-huh.
2: So, yeah. Now, you're doing so many things. What do you do to find your inner space or your sense of balance in life?
4: Um, Interestingly enough, yeah, I spend a lot of time by myself. I feel like I'm always around people, and um, I always have to come back to just me, and I love my alone time, and my alone time really does, it, it helps a lot and to recenter me, whether it's like eating alone, reading alone, just being alone for a few days. Um, I was I was raised an only child. I think a lot of people think I'm an extrovert and I'm very introverted. and Because uh-huh. that, that's true where I recharge. And I want to say fitness. I've I've become very into fitness and different forms of it and just working out has become a daily part of my routine. And it's very, very meditative for me. It's very, I think it's, it's moving my body helps me get out of my head and it, I, I get a lot of clarity from it in comedy and beyond so um yeah that's it and sleep but that doesn't come often so i can't rely on that too much
2: what is your your basic workout routine if you don't mind me asking
4: um i'm actually a dance cardio instructor really um yeah i am
2: i haven't covered something else that you do
4: (laughs) yeah no it's fine i um yeah i i'm a dance cardio instructor and I, I teach for 305 Fitness, so my schedule is a little wonky right now for that. Yeah, so I love dance cardio. I love resistance training. I go for a run. Sometimes I just aggressively cry while planking. Um, you know, it varies. It varies all <laughs> over the place. Um, but, yeah, anything that just helps me like break a sweat and get moving will get me out of my body, into my body and out of my head, and it's been supremely helpful in just staying clear headed and level headed. And I, I really think it's like my form of meditation, I think. Uh-huh. So, so,
2: so during your alone yeah. time, is that when the best creative ideas and thoughts come to your head?
4: I think so. Yeah. When it's like unencumbered and yeah, whenever it's, uh, yeah, when I, 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 I'm not very creative when I'm stressed. So ironically enough, when I have uh, four shows a night, every night, or I'm doing uh, 10,000 things, Stuff when my creative juices are the lowest because uh-huh. I'm, I'm all tired and frazzled. So yeah, I think like the best stuff hits me when I slow down. That's why coming home for quarantine was so golden for me because it was a slower pace than New York. I got to, I got to quarantine with my parents in Miami. It's a, it's a slower city, at least comparatively to New York city. And it, it really helped me. Like I was like unencumbered. Like everything came to a halt. And it was I, I was able to like rewrite jokes, kind of find my voice with some online content. Probably work through some relationship bullshit trauma, or something, work through things about my personality I don't like. All of that. So, yeah.
2: Are there things about you that you don't like?
4: Um. Yeah. Doesn't everyone have that? Um. To some extent, right? Like, yeah. I don't. I don't like that I'm impatient you know i'm very very impatient sometimes i don't i don't like how i handle my anxiety things like that but i mean i think it's you might not like it but i think you come to learn to accept it to um uh-huh. yeah to some extent so
2: yeah well thank you so much Brittany. i know that you're short of time oh i have one other question could you sure. uh <laughs> do you miss gainesville at all and what is your I do. your lasting I impression so- of it
4: Sorry, I did cut you off. I miss it so much. Oh, yeah. I love Gainesville. I I really did. And I, I had so much fun with it. It's so much fun in that city. I think it's great. I think it's one of the best cities in Florida. I think it's equal parts, like, artistic and athletic. And and it, it's homey, but there's a cute downtown area. I really miss Gainesville. And I haven't been back since I was there for college seven years ago, too. I just think of it as, like, a such a cute, quaint, Place like it's Gainesville's just good. It's a, it's a good city. It's not bothering anybody. You know, <laughs> um, it's it's fine. You know, and it's a redeemable part of Florida. Those are, That's my official statement on Gainesville. Would you yeah.
2: ever Would you ever think about coming here to perform when things open up a little bit more? And you Absolutely. have the time, obviously. I
4: mean, the, yeah, the comedy scene down there is amazing. And I mean, I even remember when I was doing improv. I hadn't started stand up in college. I was doing improv and sketch, but. The improv scene was massive, and the sketch scene was massive, and we used to have comedy festivals. The Gainesville Improv Festival was so killer every year. It was so much fun, and yeah, I would uh, a thousand percent. That's actually a really good idea. I should, I should probably do like a weekend and see if I could line up some shows in Gainesville, because I'm sure those crowds are, are cool.
2: I'll come see you.
4: Please, please do. Tickets on the house. Your VIP is awesome. awesome. You know this. I'll bring you some CDs. I probably have CDs left over in, in my mother's closet from when I was a Sony rep for four years. So we'll bring you some CDs for old time's sake.
2: You know, you hooked me up with a Leonard Cohen CD. I think it was Old Ideas, and I did a review of it. And part of it actually got up on the website. So that was one of the most thrilling moments of my life. I want to thank you for being partly oh, yeah. instrumental in that.
4: Absolutely, I got to
2: <laughs> Okay, so thank you so much, Brittany. Nice to hear from you. Good luck with all thank your you endeavors. Thank you
4: for having me. Thank you. Yeah, and I um, I promise when I'm, I'm going to try and make it down to Gainesville, thanks for giving me that idea. That's, that's, that's a good plan. I should try and make a trip happen this year.
2: Cool. Well, have a great day and a great awesome. rest of 2020.
4: <laughs> awesome. Thank you. You too. Yeah, let's all hang in there, right? We're almost there.
2: Well, we'll see what happens with this election.
4: Oh, true, true. Vote. Whoever's listening to this, vote. Vote, vote, vote. And, and vote correctly. You know what I mean. Vote vote. Wink, correctly. wink. <laughs> wink, wink. Exactly. I won't get too political, but there's definitely a wrong choice. Let's put it that way.
0: Thank you so
2: much. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.
0: You're listening to the Gargsville Podcast with your host, Gargs Allard.
1: I'd like to unpack some of the popular terms for getting your period. On the rag. Horrifying. Monthly visitor. I call my exterminator that, so it's a little weird. Surfing the crimson wave. It's not a global odyssey. And lady time. Yeah, no, that makes it sound fun and social and not like I'm crying in the corner over a Kit Kat. Uh, in Finland, they call it mad cow disease. That's a thing already. Could you imagine some guys like, my girlfriend's been really mean this weekend. I think it's the mad cow. In Brazil, there's code for it and it's I'm with Chico. That sounds like some douchebag who's like not on the guest list at a nightclub. Code red. I like that this one implies danger and that everyone around you needs to tie themselves to something.
2: Hello again out there, everybody. This is Larry Kang. I'm 112 years old and still going strong. After five heart attacks, 10 marriages, four bankruptcies, and over 500 interviews, I didn't take the time to research beforehand while on CNN. Now I do infomercials and I feel better than ever. Why is that, you ask? Because I take Jin Sana. Jin Sana has over 69 herbs and secret ingredients that will keep you primed long after your time. And you'll know it's true by how much you pay in alimony and child support every year while a lesser man goes to bed at 6 p.m. Look for Jim Santa and find food in drugstores everywhere. You're on the air, caller. Go! Yeah, I
3: heard your radio show. I got a dog. The dog's vegan. Uh, we're mostly vegan, although you know, little pizza here, here and there, and not going to hurt nobody. But I, I want—I heard about your old Uncle Hound vegan dog biscuits, and my dog, she is like excited when she heard about it. And I'm just trying. I went to the store. He said that they were on all fine pet stores, and I went to a couple of them in the in Gainesville. I have not seen them. Uh, I looked online and I couldn't find them, and I want to know what's up with them uh, old Uncle Hound. Is he for real, or is this just some kind of a some kind of a joke to get people all excited about getting some of them old Uncle Hound vegan dog biscuits that sound like they're to die for? And now, like uh, you know, I, I can't find none. So that's kind of a cruel thing to do to people and their dogs. Uh, and I, I just want to know what what you have to say for yourself. You know, you're out there on the radio all the time and making people think that, you know, that you're doing a good thing for this town, and now you're just, uh, you know, you're just... Uh, like it's like fake news, you know? Are you part of that whole fake news thing, too? Uh, anyway, you can call me back if you got some answers for me. And if you don't, well, I don't know what to say. I'm just uh, just... Me and my dog, we're just kind of heartbroken right now. It, it, it's a sad, it's a sad state. It's sad, just like our, our president. You know, he says, "You know, fake news, sad." And that's uh, all I'm going to say right now. Uh, um, I, 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 so you you have a have a good day if you can, if your conscience will let you. Uh, and I'm going to say bye now. So uh, bye now.
0: Time for all of us to once again float off into different frequencies. The night dreams and the daydreams. Until the next time we meet again in Gargsville.